we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being protected by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Does that give you hope? Does that give you a promise and a deeper understanding of the depth of God's love for us? Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful that we can truly turn to you, that you have us in the palm of your hand. You are our helper, that we have no need to fear. But Father, as sinful people, there are th that sin comes between us, between us and you. And so, Father, we are so grateful that we have a Savior whose life and blood was shed on our behalf that when our faith and trust is put in him, we can have eternal life and we can heal that relationship with you and that we can stand before you as a child of the King. Father, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we rest. We rest before you. Grateful. May our longing hearts, Father, just continue to cry out to you, our God and our Redeemer. So, Father, take the musings of our, our hearts and our minds and may we dedicate this next hour to you in a more fervent way. May you truly be the object of our affection. In Jesus' name, amen.
Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Your home. 
Amen. Now, before you're seated, this is your moment to share that smiling, smiling face with someone around you. Find someone you don't know and welcome them here this morning. Good morning. I hate to interrupt you all, but we are just so thankful you're here today and so thankful for your generosity. Um, we have a, a new church that we um, constituted in Canada called Life's Journey Church. And uh, that was a church that we've been supporting as a mission for many years, and now they're finally a church on their own. And Pastor Walter will share about that with you a little bit in a few moments. But we're just so thankful for your generosity to make these things happen. We have a baptism today. That's uh, something that you support. And this choir and orchestra is just, you know, they're fantastic. And, and it's thanks, thanks to the generosity of this congregation that we're able to do all these things week after week. And we're just thankful for that. If you look in your bulletin... Um, You'll notice we're a little bit behind in giving on the budget, and we're a little bit behind in the, uh, in the uh, campaign for the buildings that we're building. But we are not in any kind of problem that the Lord cannot take care of, and that's the thing that makes the most, that's the most important thing. And so we just want to thank you for your generosity and tell you how much we appreciate you. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. Father, we thank you for the, the many volunteers and the staff and the pastors that, that put together the services every week that make this, this coming together of the body of Christ possible. Father, we thank you for this, this opportunity to worship in your house. Father, we, we just um, want to take this offering. Father, we want to dedicate it to you. We want to use it totally for your kingdom. Father, we pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Bill. And I appreciate being back. And I do want to say thank you all for your support. You know, Bill did mention that, you know, we're a little bit behind on the budget. There's, there's nothing to worry about. Just really appreciate you that you give your support and uh, a little bit behind in the building fund. But, but we'll get through this. And it's okay because next year we're going into, a, just so you be aware, uh, we're going into that situation where we're moving into a new house. Have any of you ever moved into a new house? And it's going to be tight for a year or two with the other things because you have to take care of all that stuff. That is normal. And so we're, we're preparing for that, and that's how it'll be. And, and uh, just any, anything that you do to help us with the building fund, that anything you do to help us in the budget, you know, it's always greatly appreciated. It's the Lord's work. And whatever you do in missions. And I just want to share with you a, a short video. This was made by a video director, me, with a video <laughs> camera shooter, me. 
Uh, so uh, you watch this 90-second video, and you see a little bit about where I was last week, okay? Morning. I'm in Edmonton, Alberta. It's uh, September 16th. We're getting ready for the fifth anniversary of uh, a Filipino International Baptist Church South Campus. That's what it used to be called, but now it's called Life's Journey Church of Edmonton. And this is the pastor. Uh, this is Pastor Nole Rosales. And Hello, good morning once again, Anastasia. Thank you so much. Uh, Pastor Walter here, uh, he made it. Yeah, and, and you can see me in the reflection. Hey, we're in outside the building. <laughs> Would you show us the new place that you're going to be worshiping in? Let's go inside. Yeah, so this is the new uh, building. We're in a condominium, and uh, God has uh, given us the opportunity to purchase uh, two units of this condominium here. So this is a commercial condominium building. Um, we are going to be on 104 and 105. Yeah, I'm just looking at the space that's going to be the new home of Life's Journey Church of Edmonton, Alberta. This is the church that Anastasia has been partnering with for four years. And this is their first space. This is, this is going to be a historic moment when they move into this place where they bring church, the body believers. <laughs> So anyway, that is a little bit, little taste of Life's Journey Church. That's where I was. They were meeting in a hotel last week. They were, it was their fifth anniversary. We have been partnering with them in Edmonton, Alberta. That's where I came from as a church planter. And so I have a, a real heart for that. And so we've been partnering with some churches there. And we've been partnering with this church since 2019. We set a team up there in 2019. And we haven't sent a team back since the pandemic. And so that church has grown and flourished through the pandemic, through lockdown. And I'm not talking about Florida lockdown. I'm talking about Canada lockdown. It's, it's a, a stronger lockdown than what we experienced. And they have grown to a place where they have purchased that space. So that is their space. That's their permanent home. It's, it, it may not look like much to us here, but it's their home. And they're just so excited. And today should be their first Sunday in that new home. And so, yeah, praise God. <clears throat> so thank you for letting me go up there. We closed out the partnership. We gave them our last support check and, and uh, sent them off with a blessing, uh, shared in their fifth anniversary. And then after that service at the hotel, we all went over to the new place and we anointed that place with oil and we prayed that God would use that in power as that place. So just praise God. A church that started five years ago in the middle of a pandemic is thriving. And that's nothing other than the work of God. And I'm so glad that we got to be a part of that. We got to be a part of that. So praise God for that. Yeah, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand, okay? Yeah. So thank you for all of you that support our ministries and those that support our Acts 1-8 Missions Fund. Hey, let's get into the message. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Kings chapter 11. We're in a series that we're calling Divided Heart. And we're looking at the divided, the kings of the divided kingdom of Israel and Judah. And if you know anything about Old Testament history, you know the, the people came in from the wilderness. They came into the, the uh, promised land and there was a period of decline when the judges were, um, were taking care of leading things at that time. 
And then they rallied around a king. His king, the name was Saul, King Saul. And Saul rallied people around. And then there was King David after him. And David united the kingdom. And, uh, and then his son inherited, son Solomon, King Solomon inherited the, the uh, united kingdom. But then everything sort of fell apart. And there was a kingdom in the north called Israel. And there was a kingdom in the south called Judah. And there was a divided kingdom. That was the, the time of steady decline before the Babylonians' uh, captivity. But we're, we're looking at those kingdoms because it wasn't just a matter of a divided politics. It was about a divided heart. Their, their hearts were divided. And we see this steady decline, not just in, in what was going on politically, but we see this in the hearts of the leaders. We had King David, who was a man after God's own heart, right? And then we see King Solomon, and King Solomon had a divided heart, and he set the stage for the divided kingdom. And then King Solomon had a son. His name was Rehoboam, and Rehoboam not, did not follow God at all, okay? So he went from someone who totally followed God, David, to Solomon who had a divided heart, to then a generation that didn't follow God, and then Rehoboam had a rival. And so after Solomon, there were two kings. The rival was Jeroboam. And Jeroboam, I consider the anti-David. You've heard of the anti-Christ? Jeroboam was the anti-David, okay? If, if David was a man after God's own heart, Jeroboam was anti-God. He, it wasn't that he just didn't follow God. He was anti-God. And most of the kings of the northern kingdom, if you look through 1 Kings, if you look through First and Second Chronicles, and it talks to you about the kings of the north, the kings of Israel. And they said that they were bad kings because they followed in the way of Jeroboam or they followed the sins of Jeroboam. He was the example of being a bad king. This is what we're going to talk about today. Don't you love reading all the bad stuff about bad people? This is like the National Enquirer of the Old Testament. It's going to be great. Okay, you're going to love hearing about Jeroboam and how bad he was. And so let's introduce him. I'm gonna, I have a lot of scriptures I'm going to go through. And I hope, this is, I hope that you get application out of this as well. Because um, I think there is some application here. Uh, first of all, in, in 1 Kings eleven twenty six, 26. This is when we're introduced to Jeroboam. And it says, Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, and Ephraimite. Okay, so he is from the, the tribe of Ephraim, Ephraimite, from the tribe of Ephraim. Of Zeretta, that's the town. A servant of Solomon, whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow, also lifted up his hand against the king. So this is someone we first hear about. He rebels against King Solomon, okay? Now, his name, Jeroboam, it means, and you can write this down if you're using the sermon note, Jeroboam means contends for the people. He contends for the people. It is the Old Testament version of forthepeople.com. Have you seen that on TV? The lawyer, he says, we're for the people.com. That's what his name means. It means he's for the people, okay? He's from the tribe of Ephraim. Now, Ephraim was the most prominent tribe in the north. You see, in the north, they had 10 tribes, but Ephraim was the biggest, the most powerful. In the south, the, the biggest was Judah, okay? So there's Ephraim and Judah, Israel and Judah. And, and sometimes even in the book of Isaiah, it says, oh, Ephraim, you're terrible. It's talking about the northern kingdom because Ephraim was the most powerful tribe in that northern kingdom, okay? And so the next point in your sermon notes, if you're following along in the bulletin, is this. 
Jeroboam was an internal threat to King Solomon. 1 Kings 11, after King Solomon, there were several leaders who rose up against Solomon in those last years. And two of them were outside. Two of them were kings outside. There was Hadad and there was Reza. And they were supported by Egypt and helped along by Egypt. But also there was one internal threat. That was Jeroboam. And so Solomon tried to kill him. So Jeroboam escaped to Egypt, okay? Now, uh, 1 Kings 11, it gives us a little flashback. It gives us the background of Jeroboam. 1 Kings 11, verse 28, it says, The man, Jeroboam, was very able. And when Solomon saw that the young man was industrious, he gave him charge over all the forced labor of the house of Joseph. So Jeroboam, he was, he was uh, someone who was able. He could do a lot of things. He was industrious. He got things done. And he was put in charge of all of the forced labor. Now, Solomon built lots of things. He built the temple. He built palaces. He built stables. He built all kinds of things. And so a lot of that was forced labor, conscripted labor. And so... Uh, and so uh, Jeroboam was the person in charge of that. So the next point is this. Jeroboam was a gifted leader. You think about that. He, he's able, he's a gifted leader, and still he ends up, what, what in the world's going on in him? Uh, the next thing we know about Jeroboam is that he was called by God to be king. 1 Kings 11, starting at verse 29, he says, And, that, and at that time, when Jeroboam went out to Jerusalem, out of Jerusalem, the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, found him on the road. Now Ahijah had dressed himself in a new garment, and the two of them were alone in the open country. And then Ahijah laid hold of the new garment that was on him, and he tore it into 12 pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, take for yourself 10 pieces. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, behold, I'm about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon and I will give you 10 tribes, okay? So thus says the Lord. The Lord says, I'm going to use you, Jeroboam, because Solomon was not doing what he was supposed to do. I'm going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to make you king. And so this is something that's very important as well. Jeroboam was called by God to be king. You can be gifted. You can be called by God. You can be for the people. And still not fulfill the purpose that God has for you. You know, I think that our Lord calls all people. I do. Not many don't respond. But I think God calls us. You remember that old song? Jesus is tenderly calling thee home. Calling today. Calling today. Why from the sunshine of love wilt thou roam? Farther and farther away. Can you sing that with me? Calling today. Calling today. Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today. Jeroboam was called. He was called to be king. I think God calls all people to salvation. Not everyone responds. I think everyone has an opportunity somehow in their life. And you know, every one of us, we are kings. We have an area of influence that we're responsible for. And I think we, we are kings in our own areas, and God calls us to lead in those areas of influence. And I want to ask you, how, how are you responding to the call of God in your life? How are you using that area of influence that you have 
Jeroboam was called by God, but later on, uh, he is, uh, he, he's, he's condemned. So how are you responding to those areas? Now listen next to what God said to Jeroboam through Ahijah, okay? And, and just realize, many kings, they had a prophet. Saul had the prophet Samuel. David had the prophet, anyone know? Nathan, okay? And then we know that uh, King Jeroboam had Ahijah, who spoke to him all his reign. And this is what it says in 1 Kings 11, skipping to verse 37. This is what, what God is saying to Jeroboam through Ahijah. He says this, and I will take you, and you shall reign over all that your soul desires. And you shall be king over Israel. And if you'll listen to all that I command you, and will walk in my ways, and do what is right in my eyes by keeping my statutes and my commandments, as David, my servant, did, I will be with you and will build a sure house as I built for David, and I will give Israel to you. What a promise. Isn't that powerful? Think about the foundation that Jeroboam had for his leadership there. God promised, this is the next thing to write down, God promised to be with Jeroboam and with us. Did you know God promises to be with us? Jesus, one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel. Do you know what that means? It means God with us. Yes, uh-huh. Jesus is man. He'll be with us throughout our lives, and Jesus will be. That's what eternal life is. It's life forever with Jesus, being with Jesus forever. And so we have that same promise. So Jeroboam, God promised to be with him. That's, that's the most important promise we could ever have is to be in the presence of the Lord. Hebrews 13 says this. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I don't need money. I don't need more. I need the Lord. That's the most important thing. Money can drive us away from from the Father. Uh, this, This thirst to have more and more and more can drive us away from the Father. What I need is the Lord. And I can be content because God is with me. His presence is all we need. That's what this is saying here. So, so God made good on that promise. He, 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 made, he made Jeroboam king of the northern ten tribes. After Solomon died and after Rehoboam, who you heard Pastor Sam speak about last week uh, so eloquently, after Rehoboam acted harshly and foolishly, it says in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 20, And when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had returned, he'd come back from Egypt. When they heard that he'd returned, they sent and called him to the assembly and made him king over all Israel. There was none that followed the house of David, but the tribe of Judah only. So Jeroboam was the first king of the northern kingdom of Israel. Now, if you read other places, you'll find that later on we see that Benjamin was also there with Judah. So there was Judah and Benjamin and then the other tribes. So Jeroboam was the first king of the northern kingdom of Israel. And he ruled, he ruled for, for many years, starting around 926 B.C. Now, two chapters later, the prophet speaks to him a little bit later in his reign, and Ahijah gives a very different word from the Lord to Jeroboam. And here's what happens. The context, this is 1 Kings chapter 14, starting at verse 7. 1 Kings 14, starting at verse 7. Ahijah is speaking the words of the Lord to Jeroboam's wife. 
See, Jeroboam, he, he didn't want to go see the prophet himself. He said, wife, we have a child that is sick. Why don't you disguise yourself and you go see the prophet and I'll stay here in Jerusalem. I'll stay here in Shechem and stay here. And so he sent his wife there. And uh, Ahijah was old and blind at the time. The Bible says that he still recognized Jeroboam's wife. And he said, and, and talked to him about their sick child. And then he says in 1 Kings 14, verse 7, go tell Jeroboam, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, because I exalted you from among the people and made you leader over my people Israel and tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you. And yet you have not been like my servant David who kept my commandments and followed me with all his heart doing only what was right in my eyes. But you have done evil above all who were before you and have gone and made for yourself other gods and metal images, provoking me to anger and have cast me behind your back. Therefore, behold, I'll bring harm upon the house of Jeroboam and will cut off from Jeroboam every male, both bond and free in Israel, and will burn up the house of Jeroboam as a man burns up dung until it is all done. All gone. Wow. Wow. And uh, anyone belonging to Jeroboam who dies in the city, the dog shall eat. And anyone who dies in the open country, the birds of the heaven shall eat. For the Lord has spoken it. Goodness gracious, what in the world? What happened that caused the wrath of God to come down upon Jeroboam, the anti-David and his descendants? If... If I have one takeaway from this message, it would be this. Don't be like Jeroboam. <laughs> Don't be like Jeroboam. There was a commercial on TV several years ago. It was a commercial for Asper Cream, okay? Their whole, it would come on at Jeopardy every so often. And uh, there'd be a lady that comes up to another lady in the produce store and she said, oh, medicated cream, you smell just like my Walter did. And these big yellow words would appear on the screen, don't smell like Walter. <laughs> I'm never buying Asper cream, just, just letting you know. But I want to say, don't be like Jeroboam. Don't be like him. Okay, he had everything going for him. He was gifted. He was called by God. God was, was ready to use him in a powerful way. And he threw all of that away. What happened? What happened? You know, and, and ten tribes followed Jeroboam. Uh, most, of the, most of the people followed him except Judah and also um, uh, Benjamin as well. But the temple was in the land of Judah. The temple was in the other area. It was in the south. and It was a brand new temple. Solomon had built it, right? And so it wasn't that old. And so people were going down there to worship. It was on the other side of the border. And so this is what happened in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 25. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and lived there. And he went out from there and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom will turn back to the house of David. If this people go up to offer sacrifice in the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn again to their Lord, to Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they'll kill me and return to Rehoboam, king of Judah. He said, you know, the people are going to turn again to their Lord Rehoboam, and that word is Adonai. This is one of those cases where the word Adonai is used for a person. But the main thing to note is this. Jeroboam didn't trust the promise of God. 
he didn't trust God's promises. Okay, God said, you're going to be king over all this. I'm going to make your house sure. Everything's going to be fine. He, God said he'd protect him. He did not trust the promises of God. And so what I want to say to you is don't be like Jeroboam. Trust God's promises. Trust God's promises. Okay? Deuteronomy 7 tells us this. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. Oh, he's in control of everything. The faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. God keeps his promises. Trust God's promises, okay? Okay? Now, now, can you trust God's promises if you don't know God's promises? Now, do you know where I'm going here? Okay, we say here at Anastasia, Jesus is the way and the Bible is the map. It's the map. It tells you how to find the promises of God because the promises of God is not buried treasure. The promises of God, it's a treasure in plain sight. You can know the promises of God. People get mixed up about what are the promises of God. God didn't promise you wealth. God promised to be with you. God didn't promise you a lot of vacation trips. He promised to be with you. He promised you blessing and peace and all of these kinds of things. And, and we know those those promises, they're in the word of God in your Bible or in your phone or your tablet, whatever it is that you find the word of God. They are right there for you. You need to know the promises of God so you can trust the promises of God. You need to know that all things work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. You need to know that. You need to trust the promises of God that if everything looks bad here, that there's an eternal home for you in heaven for those that believe in Jesus Christ. You need to know things like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You need to know those promises, okay? Because you need to trust his promises. And what a great personal study, the promises of God. Don't be like Jeroboam. Trust God's promises. And here's something else. In verse 27, it says this. Jeroboam said, If this people will go to offer sacrifices in the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn to their Lord, to Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they'll kill me. He said they, they were going to kill him. He, he, he had some fear. Jeroboam had a major case of FOMO. Do you know what FOMO is? F-O-M-O? Fear of missing out. Okay? He had a fear of missing out on a long life. Okay? He, he had FOMO. He had this fear of being killed and missing out on a long life. He had fear of losing power, of uh, being the king. He had fear of losing the hearts of the people. But one fear he didn't have, he didn't have a fear of the Lord. His FOMO, his fear of missing out, was greater than his fear of the Lord. Don't be like Jeroboam. Let our fear of the Lord be greater than our FOMO. Let our fear of the Lord be greater than our fear of missing out. We're blessed because we live in a land of great abundance. We live in a, great, a, a land of great abundance more than most nations of the world. If you don't believe that, you should go somewhere else. We, we live in a land of great abundance. There are lots of opportunities last Last Sunday evening, as I was trying to uh, get back to where I needed to be, I was taking a cab ride back to my hotel before flying back here. And the cab driver was from Iraq. And he said he'd moved up there. He'd immigrated from Iraq because there were no opportunities in Iraq. 
He said, there are no choices. You just did what you were told. You went to school. You got a certain grade. They tell you what school you're going to next. They tell you what job you're going to do. There's no opportunities. And he said, you move over here. There's lots of opportunities. No one tells you what college you have to go to or don't go to or school or whatever. We have a lot of opportunities. Our crisis is not the lack of opportunities. Our crisis is the fear of not doing everything we want to do. Our fear of not being able to go on all the vacations we want to do or our fear of missing out on experiences or comfort or not driving the car that we wish we could drive. And, you know, those, those fear of missing out on those kinds of experiences can keep us from really trusting and following the Lord. And so don't let your FOMO, your fear of missing out, get in the way of your fear and love of Jesus. Proverbs 29 says, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. You're safe. So don't be like Jeroboam. Don't be like the anti-David. Let, let's let our fear of the Lord be greater than our FOMO. And so here's what, Jer- here's what Jeroboam did, 1 Kings 12, 28. So the king took counsel and made two calves of gold. He said to the people, you've gone up to Jerusalem long enough. Behold your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Wow. Wow, what blasphemy. Do you remember in the Old Testament, didn't Aaron build a calf, a golden calf? Jeroboam didn't build a calf. He built two. Okay? Don't you remember? Isn't there somewhere in the New Testament, one of the commandments says, thou shalt not make any graven images? And so he's just blowing that one too. Okay? Uh, And so anyway, he says, he set one in Bethel and the other he put in Dan. And then this thing became a sin for the people who went as far as Dan to be before one. He also made temples in high places and appointed priests from among all the people who were not of the Levites. Okay, just anybody could be a priest then. So anyway, Jeroboam made two of these calves and where people were called to remember and thank God for bringing them out of Egypt, uh, Jeroboam just put forward this slimy substitute because Jeroboam loved himself more than the Lord. And here's the next thing. Don't be like Jeroboam. Remember that the Lord is our first love. The Lord is our first love. And you know, that, did you know that Jeroboam was the one who kicked out the Levites from the north? They, they were, all the Levites were spread throughout the land, and, and the ones in the north, uh, they were kicked out. They weren't allowed to be priests. Jeroboam let anybody be a priest except unless you were a Levite. In 2 Chronicles chapter 11, it says this, For the Levites left their common lands and their holdings, and came to Judah and Jerusalem because Jeroboam and his sons cast them out from serving as priests of the Lord. Anybody could be a priest in Jeroboam's kingdom unless you were a Levite. If you were a Levite, you weren't allowed to be a priest. Yeah, the ones that God said should be priests. And so the Levites all went to Judah. That's why, you know, they talk about the 10 lost tribes of Israel. All those northern kingdom tribes, they're not there anymore. The only tribes that are left are Judah and, uh, and Levi. The, the priests. If you know someone that has a last name, Cohen, that means priest. That means they're from the tribe of Levi. But you know, Judah and Levi and, and the tribe of Benjamin got absorbed into Judah uh, in the exile, so they're not functioning as a tribe anymore. But, but uh, of all the tribes, the only remnants are the two that remain are Judah and Levi, and that's because they got kicked out. Anybody could be a priest. Anyone could be ordained. First Kings 13. 
Verse 33, it says, After this thing, Jeroboam did not turn away from his evil, but made priests for the high places, again from among all the people, and anyone who would be ordained to be priests of the high places. And this thing became sin to the house of Jeroboam so as to cut it off and destroy it from the face of the earth. Anyone could be ordained, and they didn't even have the internet. They didn't need the internet. They had Jeroboam. Jeroboam could ordain anybody he wanted to ordain, unless you were a Levite, okay? They had Jeroboam. And Jeroboam forgot that the Lord is the first love. And so what I want to say is don't be like Jeroboam. Don't put your life above above the, the Lord that loves you because our lives matter. And because our lives matter, we impact generations to come. The 10 tribes that Jeroboam led, they're gone. They do not exist anymore. That's the legacy of Jeroboam because he put himself before God. There are about 19 or so kings that followed him in the northern kingdom. Do you realize 15 of them? 15 of them, it says they were evil because they followed the ways of Jeroboam or they were evil because they followed the sins of Jeroboam. Over and over and over again, Jeroboam is listed and cited. This is the reason this king was bad they, uh, because he followed Jeroboam. That's his legacy. He's the anti-David. And I want to say, think about your legacy. What are you leaving behind? You know, when I, when I leave this church, what I want to leave behind is not big buildings. I want to leave behind faith. And a faith that's passing on to the next generation and the next generation until Jesus comes again. That's what I want to be the legacy. I want my legacy to be that people look at me and say that, that he, he, he tried to follow the Lord the best he could. That's what I want my legacy. What is your legacy? And I pray that our lasting impact will be our faith impact. I pray that my legacy is not one that's against God. I pray it's not one that's even apathetic to God. I pray that my legacy will be one that's a legacy of faith. Trusting the Lord, serving the Lord, and loving him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I pray that's your legacy too. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us not to be like Jeroboam. Lord, Jeroboam was gifted and called and had all kinds of opportunities. And Lord, but he threw it all away because he wanted to follow those opportunities and not follow you. And Lord, it's very easy in our life to follow the opportunities and not follow you. And Lord, if there's someone here today where their priorities are out of whack and need to be in step with you, Lord. Lord, I pray right now that you're bringing that course correction, that that someone right now is saying, you know, I want to follow you, Lord Jesus, for the rest of my life. Lord, I pray someone right now is saying, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I, I want to trust in you. And Lord, help me to be that person that's dedicating my life to you. And Lord, help me be that person that trusts in your promises, that trusts that we'll spend eternity together. And despite the hardships, despite the problems that we face in this life, Lord, that you you have it all worked out. Lord, if anyone needs to make a step of faith, Lord, in faith, in trust in you, Lord, whether it's baptism, whether it's being engaged in this church as a member, Lord, help them to make that step, Lord. Make it clear. And Lord, in everything, we give you the glory. This is your church. This is your world. 
This is your creation. And Lord, we worship you and praise you. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Uh, We're going to sing a song now, and I invite you to stand with me. This is a song of response. And if God is calling you to respond in any way, you know, if you wanted to come up and pray at the steps here, you're welcome to do that. If you want to come up and say, Pastor Walter, I want to trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, you can do that. If you want, to, you want to be involved in the baptism at 1 o'clock and declare to the world that you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ and you've not yet uh, talked with someone, uh, love to have you come forward, whatever God's calling you to do. But let's give this time to God and let's serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. Sing together. Come just as you are. Hear the Spirit. Jesus Christ, himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage you, encourage your hearts, and strengthen you in every good deed and word. In Jesus' name.